big pharma is the most criminal industry in history. And, you know, your listeners shouldn't have any trouble understanding that because they've had $86 billion worth of settlements and criminal sanctions since 2000. That, that I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine. There's billions of dollars a year in criminal settlements. And as I was referring to the federal prosecutors, they, they, there's a book published about those guys a couple of years ago called The Chicken Shit Club. And that's what they are. They, they are not, they, they are doing their best, but they're, they're in a position where they can easily be bribed and with jobs, you know, they're federal employees and they get, they pass back and forth between, be, between industry and these high paying uh, uh, federal jobs. So, I mean, the, it's incredible. I mean, Pfizer alone, they, they had at the time, they had one of the, they, there are three companies that had over a $2 billion in single settlements with the federal prosecutors, right? That's Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline. And Pfizer had a drug that caused 50,000 deaths that they knew it was going to kill people ahead of time, and they freaking rolled it out anyway. So I always like this quote from Peter Rost, who was a former Pfizer marketing vice president, and this is a 10-year-old quote. He says, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities. People do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what they're doing is okay. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an E-D. Click on podcast, scroll down to this episode and other episodes. You can always click the read more, find out more information about our guests. You can also download this from all the different platforms out there from YouTube to Amazon, iTunes, everything else. Of course, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, go to the homepage, click find a trusted professional and we will vet the person for you to make sure you're getting someone that delivers value. But we're not here to talk about real estate today. Today, we're gonna to talk about something really interesting and welcome Dr. Robert Yoho. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Span. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, so uh, Dr. Yoho and I, we got connected through a podcast platform and, and anyhow, so I get a lot of requests. I get a lot of people that are like, hey, you want to come on your show? Going to, and, and as you remember, Robert, is I kind of I do a little, you could tell it's a copy and paste kind of thing, right? Because I'm trying to vet out the people that are just, you know, kind of the quacks out there. And so, and what I'm looking for is, one, does somebody pay attention to details? Two, do they truly really want to be on this show? And three, can they follow basic instructions, right? And it's so when we get to the point where somebody clicks the link and says, hey, schedules the call, right? And then I have that 15-minute call where I go, okay, let's you know see if we're going to be a fit together. I wasn't 15 minutes into your call. I was like 15 seconds into the call. And I was like, how do I get you to get on an airplane from LA and fly to Texas. And that's why I'm very excited about this show today. 
Thanks, Ben. I'm happy I passed your test. Oh, no, no, no. You're good. You've passed a few tests in your time, haven't yeah. you? Oh, great. I mean, they just give that doctor thing out now, right? You, you, look, we're colleagues. We're, we're on first-name basis. You're, you're Span, and I'm Robert. Hey, I love it. I love it. So we start every one of these off with a joke. And the main reason we do, Robert, is because when I decided to start a show, my father-in-law said, you got to start off with a joke. And so now I intentionally do bad jokes just so that way when he listens, it annoys him. But I thought this joke might be fitting for our topic today because I like, I, like, I like being a bit of a smart aleck. Why, Robert, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. To get to the other side? Because the chicken behind it didn't know how to properly social distance. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's not that funny, actually. <laughs> I just thought it would be for what we're going to talk about. I'm like, oh, like, let's get the pot stirring already, right? Uh, so let's tell the audience about... Where are you from? Kind of your journey to get to it, where you where you are now, uh, and what it is you're doing now, and then we'll jump just knee deep into this thing. Okay, uh, Span. Some people ask me about my childhood and all that, and of course I was an Eagle Scout at one time, but I don't think that's relevant. But what I think your audience should understand is I'm 68 years old. I've had a career in medicine. And I've got a 25-page resume, right? Just like almost anybody else that has been paying attention and, uh, and worked in medicine their whole uh, uh, career. And I retired three years ago. And I got interested in medical corruption because I had these women patients that I was working with with their hormones. And I ultimately wrote a book about the bioidentical hormones. And just to, it's called Hormone Secrets. It's available on Amazon. And incidentally, none of this is a moneymaker. I mean, I sell 30 copies a day of these things and they, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a break even with the advertising expenses. So I'm gonna hook you on the hormones just for a second. There's good evidence that if we put every woman on estrogen at the time of their change of life, their menopause, 50 roughly, that they would the de- the uh, Alzheimer's rate would decrease by 85 percent. Now that's a huge claim, and that's going to everyone that listens to this is going to cry BS on that, right? But at in Appendix C of Hormone Secrets, I have uh, 150 references documenting that, right? And this has all been suppressed by the FDA in concert with their sponsors, Big Pharma. You know, so the hormones all have black box warnings on them claiming that they cause cancer and blood clots and all kinds of things, but it's all fraudulent. And these are the most, we have the most experience with hormones of any drugs in medicine, virtually. Thyroid, we have 120 years worth of experience with it. Estrogen, progesterone, uh, and uh, uh, testosterone, and growth hormone, 50, 60, 70 years of experience. And so, and these things have been cast into the dark by a, an industry that wants to sell proprietary drugs. And these things can't be patented, not the ones that are the same as the human body components called bioidentical hormones. They can't be patented. So they basically, uh, they're not profitable for the big companies. So they, the, these, in collusion with the FDA, these things have been thrown out. And it, they're hard to prescribe. Growth hormone is almost unobtainable. It may be our best single hormone, but it's, we have less experience with it because there are rumors about cancer and all kinds of other things. So that's your hook about um, hormone secrets. And there's a lot of other stuff to cover, but that's how I got into 
the medical corruption. So let me space. let me ask you a question because I think even I need clarity on this is because have you seen I think it's on Hulu or Netflix a series called Dope Stick and it was talking about the oxycotton yeah. pandemic and all that right or whatever they called it. I can't remember on the show and so it was really the first time just watching this series and of course it's it's just the show but hearing the different warning labels what are the different warning labels for the audience of like hey this is the lowest risk because i'm guessing if it's black box label it's it's high risk black black box is a very serious warning that's supposed to warn doctors and patients that these are freaking very risky drugs and we put black box warnings on testosterone which is one of the very best it's one of the very best drugs we've ever used and it's perfectly identical to the human body Uh, and estrogen and progesterone and growth hormone. I mean, it's. I don't think growth hormone has a black box warning on it, but it's been rendered almost unobtainable by the, you know, the lies that have been published and the uh, the medical literature and so on that's been promulgated by so what a crooked would be another industry. color below black box? Uh, you, you know, I think you're referring to uh, in the case of the opioids. I think you're referring oh, different to types. the scheduled to the scheduled drugs. So okay. these okay. these are these are scheduled drugs. So they're they're uh, more difficult to prescribe. But um, in brief, the story that you're relating about dope sick yeah. was that a corporation named Purdue Pharma spent enormous amounts of money to fraudulently promote a drug which was a modification of a class of drugs that we've known about for hundreds of years that have very serious problems. They, they cause a lot of addiction and Essentially, what Purdue did in concert with the wholesalers, who really are distributed 85% of these drugs during the period uh, that Purdue promoted them. Purdue gave money to the medical boards. They changed, you know, the standards were changed. So, and and the theory was that Purdue fraudulently promoted was that this long-acting opioid was harmless and was not addictive. And they have subsequently been brought down by the plaintiffs' lawyers because they they murdered hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands of overdoses are directly, directly attributable to produce actions, in, again, in concert with these wholesalers like McKesson and uh, I think there's one called Bergen. There's three major medication wholesalers that just flush these drugs into the country a, as an economic opportunity. So the, the essential problem that your listeners should understand about opioids is that most of us are not vulnerable to them. But when you when you expose the entire population to opioids, maybe 5%, maybe 3% of us think of nothing but opioids the rest of our lives. They're, they're addicted, whether they're taking them currently or not. They, they basically are tremendously vulnerable to the drug. And before Purdue went after our country in this aggressive, vicious fashion, opioids were used for post-surgical pain, cancer pain, into life pain, very serious indications. They were carefully shielded from our patients as well they should be. But after this, they, they claimed there was an epi- uh, uh, epidemic of untreated pain. And that's their, their line. And if you ever hear this nonsense about, uh, about uh, anyone who's an opioid denier is denying treatment to people with serious pain, this is an industry promulgated uh, uh, narrative. Uh, and fortunately now, the medical boards, everybody's gotten on the prescribers, but un- unfortunately, the gap has been uh, filled by illegal street opioids from Mexico, black tar heroin. And so, and these guys, these street dealers sold this stuff right outside of the 
pill clinics, you know, and a lot of it was sold in Florida and Texas, um, where these doctors just saw the economic opportunity and they became drug pushers. And, you know, they'd give you, I mean, I, I know people that are still doing it in, in Florida. I mean, it's, it's just, it's freaking incredible. And it's a destruction of our medical standards that were in place for 100 years. And, uh, and it happened 25 years ago. And Purdue went in, but they were bankrupted by the plaintiff's lawyers. Plaintiff's lawyers, you know, look, I'm not a fan of plaintiff's lawyers, but <laughs> they seem to be a powerful force for the good that federal prosecutors can't, can't step in and do it because the federal prosecutors, they want their fat, cushy jobs at pharma when they get done. They're poorly paid government employees, and they've been bought. Yeah, so just for clarity is the, the labels on the opioids, and the only reason it made me think is you know, because I, I mean, instantly went to that show, and I'm, I'm always seeking clarity myself, is that's the, the labels on that is what you were calling the schedule. That's different than the black yes. box label for something like the estrogen and testosterone. And did you say testosterone was on that? Testosterone has a black box label. And you said testosterone is actually good for us, right? Testosterone is, along with the other bioidentical hormones, and even, even the ones that aren't completely bioidentical, they are our, in my opinion, our most effective drugs of the last century. And, yeah. and they have been suppressed by this narrative, which is fabricated by the FDA in concert with industry. So I went, uh, so yesterday I got my annual physical. And, uh, and of course, two weeks ago, I went down and did all my blood works. So that way the doctor would have it all ready to go over all my stuff. Clean bill of health, things looking really great. Well, one of the interesting things is uh, a little over a year ago, I mean, man, I was just tired. I was telling my doctor I was tired. And then she was like, hey, your testosterone's really low. Because it's supposed to, I can't remember what it is, like 250 or 300 is like the lowest it can be. And then like, what is it like? Eight nine hundred is the highest, so there's that range you're supposed to be in, right? Well, mine was like a one oh two, right? And hey, then Jeremy, are you sure you haven't oh, had a sex change? Well, no, literally, right? Like it was low, and then so I go to the clinic, and now I self inject four times a day. So if the audience didn't know, well, you know now. It was amazing the amount of changes that I saw because, you know, we're ignorant. I think a lot of us, to include myself, are ignorant to a lot of things. You hear testosterone, you think, oh, that's what bodybuilders use. And it was like, no, actually, mine was so low. So mine, mine's now sitting in like the 500s, right? So kind of in that middle mark. And she was like, she could even tell through. It even had an effect on all my other stuff that was not good before because she was like, now you're in balance, right? I'm sleeping better. I have better clarity and stuff like that because I did not realize that your testosterone being so low could have that effect on you. Okay, so we got to do our disclaimer here. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot right. that. Okay. Yeah. So this is not individual medical care and use this information at your own risk. And if you have a problem, you have to see a licensed physician. I'm retired. But uh, Jeremy, you're, that level of 100 is low for a woman. Yeah, <laughs> and it was crazy. Uh, and... My group of hormone doctors feels that you're better off at a level of 1,500 in our age group. Okay, now, you know what the best weight loss drug that we've ever had is? Testosterone. It's, it planes the weight off of you for 10 years. I, I lost 40 pounds yeah. when I started doing this. Well, yeah. I don't know what you're doing because there's no regimen yeah. that injects anything four times a day. Yeah. That's no, 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 no. I, every four days. It's like every four or five days they preloaded needles, and then I just I they're making it hard and expensive on you. They should sell you. You should go to the pharmacy and get a 10 cc bottle of testosterone cypionate or an anthate, and you should draw 
a cc out of that again this is not medical yeah Ge- I'm medical just curious. advice I'm this just is learning. general yeah yeah, yeah yeah a cc out of that once a week or a half cc twice a week or maybe a little more because this stuff is almost harmless it's almost harmless and the typical mistake in hormone therapy is using too little rather than too much okay yeah and, and if your levels are 500 you're barely sniffing at the improvements you can get with testosterone okay so yeah. i i I, I, anyway, I'm inarticulate at how incompetent some of these guys are. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's that's it's interesting stuff. You know, I think my my point was more of getting it back up made a significance. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean like because I'm I'm a Type A player, right? So I get up at four o'clock in the morning. I power through all day long, and and it was just nice that I didn't feel like I was having to really rev my engines just to get through the next hour. It was just a little more natural, right? You will probably live longer. It's it, it contrary to what the black box warning says, it improves heart disease, improves cardiac function, improves your intellectual abilities, prevents dementia because and Alzheimer's because it gets broken down to estrogen and women uh, men need estrogen as well as women it's not a female hormone estrogen should not be blocked in men and uh, you know your listeners can pick this up for three dollars on a kindle version right hormone secrets and they, they can read all about the doses and everything else and i don't suggest anyone do it themselves but my group which is worldlinkmedical.com you can get referrals to these guys all over the country and women who prescribe hormones properly and who aren't afraid to use proper doses. Man, so, so you got that book. Uh, you, you, um, where, where'd you go to medical school? Case Western. Okay. And that was back up? in the Eagle Scout days. That's yeah, a long ways the... back. <laughs> so so you, you gradu- where'd you grow up? Where'd you graduate from high school? I'm a Midwesterner, and okay. I grew up in Kent, Ohio, you know, Kent State. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My daughter actually looked at that school before she chose CSU. Yeah. And I went to Oberlin undergrad, okay. Case Western Medical School, and then a panoply of postgraduate programs okay four and years then, of postgraduate and programs. then when did you end up out in california well i th- i don't remember i think it's 81 or 82 roughly okay so you've been there a bit yeah, oh yeah i'm freaking yeah. grandfathered in grandfather <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so you were practicing medicine out there retired three years ago yes okay all right and then you wrote this book that you were talking about the hormone secrets okay so what happened to me span is i First, I learned about the hormones because I was doing it in my practice. And I, it was a mystery why the standards were so effed up. Yeah. I mean, why, why is so many lies are be, being promulgated? And my mentors in the hormone thing, they kind of hinted at it. But I, step by step, got into medical corruption. And I became fascinated with it. And I wrote Butchered by Healthcare, which has got a very inflammatory title and a very inflammatory uh, uh, picture on the front about medical corruption in general, field by field. It's got 500 references. It's None of it is original work. It's my reporting of the hundreds of whistleblowers about healthcare. And the, the, you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's a horrible story. I, I can go over that a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, please okay. do. So here's, you know, the most corrupt industry in medicine, what would you guess? The most corrupt industry by, by industry, what would you expensive say? Expensive and wasteful. Oh, it's insurance. Insurance mm. takes twenty percent off of the top of American healthcare. 
insurance companies administrate both Medicare and private insurance. And aside from saying that, I mean, they're, you know, Obamacare tried to rein them in a little bit and say they can only take 20% of the total, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's an outrageously high amount when other countries get along without this non-healthcare industry involved with their medical care at all. And we spend twice per person what any other country spends in the world. We spend $4 trillion and we could probably get by with 10% of our GDP instead of 20. It's an outrage. And we have a horrible results. We're like something like 60th in terms of mortality, which means our age at death. In, I mean, we're behind China. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Okay, so hospitals. Okay, I'm just going to run through the list of things that I, if you'd like. Yeah, please the do. Run of, please the, do. The list of things that I numbers, examined. man. Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. So, Hospitals are 75% nonprofit in America. And nonprofits, you may understand, have almost no supervision. They can do whatever they want. And profit, for-profit things are have boards that supervise them. But these, these guys are basically pirates that are plundering American medical care. And we have modern examples in this crazy, crazy approach to COVID where they deny them effective therapies. And they do things that literally knock off the patients because they are incentivized to treat COVID a certain way by the federal government. They're incentivized to overdiagnose. They're incentivized to innovate these people. They're incentivized to treat them with a drug that kills 25 to 50% of them called remdesivir. And they're actually, and this is almost unbelievable, you're going to have to look into my work to, to know more, and we can leave references in the show notes they're incentivized to have fatalities. I mean, doesn't that, it, it, I know, it's an incredible thing. They are paid when the COVID patients die. Interesting, so, so tell me. Sounds tell improbable, me doesn't it? Actually, interesting thing is uh, being uh, climbing up on that half century mark and been all over the planet and you know, from the Marines to the police to being a business owner and everything else. Nothing surprises you. There is nothing you. improbable in my mindset these days. Now, just because I hear something that's improbable doesn't mean I'm going to believe or not yeah. believe it, but it does what it's doing. Like what this is doing right now with this conversation is it is opening my curiosity. So let's let's peel back the layers of so, what you're talking about there. Let me just give a reference a reference for that. And uh, the, the, the best single person to explain this, and it's happening in Texas. It's happening all over the country. And you can go to my podcast, or you can go to my Substack, which is robertyoho.substack.com, and you can listen to an interview where I interview one of these parents who's child was literally murdered by the hospital and the doctors and i know it sounds crazy but they basically they gave her a do not resuscitate without permission while she was still talking and alert and then they treated her with three different drugs an anesthesia agent and benzo like valium intravenously and an opioid morphine all together and they killed her in a half an hour and you listen to that episode and i think you'll be interested you can also go to the RFK Jr. website, Children's Health Defender, and listen to his podcast. He's got a whole bunch of stories like that. And the, the probably the best source of this information is if you Google Dr. V-L-I-E-T. V, I'm sorry, say v, v like Victor, L-I-E-T, Vlet. She has an organization that tells these stories. And 
it, it's actually a litigation to get your your loved ones out of a hospital. That it's that crazy. And so anyway, okay, let's let's traipse on and talk about uh, you know big pharma and drugs and medical devices. So you know, big pharma is the most criminal industry in history, and you know your listeners shouldn't have any trouble understanding that because they've had 86 billion dollars worth of settlements and criminal sanctions since 2000 that that i mean it's it's hard to imagine there's billions of dollars a year in criminal settlements and as i was referring to the federal prosecutors they they there's a book published about those guys a couple of years ago called the chicken shit club and that's what they are. They they are not. They they are doing their best, but they they're in a position where they can easily be bribed and with jobs. You know, they're federal employees, and they get they pass back and forth between be, between industry and these high paying uh, uh, federal jobs. So, I mean, the it's incredible. I mean, Pfizer alone, they they had at the time they had one of the. They, there are three companies that had over a two billion in single settlements with the federal prosecutors, right? That's Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline. And Pfizer had a drug that caused 50,000 deaths that they knew it was gonna kill people ahead of time, and they freaking rolled it out anyway. So I always like this quote from Peter Rost, who was a former Pfizer marketing vice president, and this is 10-year-old quote. He says, it's scary how many similarities there are between this industry and the mob. Obscene amounts of money, killings and deaths, bribing politicians and others. The difference is all these people in the drug industry look upon themselves as law-abiding citizens. However, when they get together as a group, it's almost like when you have war atrocities. People do things they don't think they're capable of because the group can validate what they're doing is okay. And an, another uh, C, uh, CEO of Park Davis said, if we put horse manure in a capsule, we could sell it to 95% of these doctors. And that's what they've done with this vaccine. Only it's not horse manure. Horse manure probably wouldn't cause so many deaths. The vaccine is tremendously toxic. So the FDA, the, the way this fits together is the FDA is, is, you know, supposedly supervises the food and the drugs. And they are, they have completely been captured. It's called, it's a term of art called regulatory capture by the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry. And the, 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 you can tell that they've been captured by the pharmaceutical industry because pharma directly pays 50% of their revenues. They got a $5 billion budget. Pharma, during the patent approval process, pharma pays 50% of their revenues in user fees. That's what it's called. And so they basically, if they don't approve a drug, sometimes they can't even make their payroll. Just think about that. So they're captured by that, pharma. That, <laughs> just because I want to get clarity. So 50% of the income coming into the 50% of that $5 billion budget. Right. Comes in from uh, Big Pharma pushing new product. And if the new product doesn't take or they don't fda doesn't prove it then it affects them in a financial capacity where that affects their payroll well that's the theory right. you know yeah. but yeah. They, basically they're they're completely dependent on these guys and i don't know whether i mean look you're a real estate broker you understand influence you've read caldini's books right you you've read about how gifts can have massive influence mm -hmm. and even a, a lunch or Paying for dinner. I mean, paying for dinner can get you laid, right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's a it's a trivial a trivial gift. And the the drug companies there's 
there's five doctors for every drug rep, right? And the, the drug reps use the three F's of marketing, right? Friendship, food, and I forget the other F, but they also use the fourth F sometimes. Oh, I can bet. I can bet what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I was never, I was never, I was never lucky enough to be the recipient of the fourth F. But but my wife kept a pretty close eye on me. Yeah. But but anyway, these guys, the the FDA and the pharma companies, they work together to fake the drug patent studies. Now I know this sounds like a big claim, but there are many references that document that they do all kinds of statistical manipulation. They corrupt research subcontractors. Now, what that is, they're now only 25% of the drug companies' studies are done in the United States, right? A research uh, subcontractor might be a guy with a baseball cap on his head in Pakistan in this basement, clicking away and faking the stuff. Now, I'm exaggerating for emphasis, but the research subcontractors in other countries, if they don't get the results that drug companies want, they're never hired again. Maybe their contracts are cut off immediately. So the research subcontractors, they do, they, they do whatever the marketing departments of the drug companies recommend. So here's, here's another quote from Peter Gercha, who was one of the founders of Cochrane, which is the most respected source remaining in medicine. He said, the pervasive scientific misconduct has led to a research literature where one has to dig deeply to find the few gems in all the garbage. And there was a, you know, the BMJ is a British medical journal. It's the last journal standing. The others are occupied with politically correct nonsense, and they're, they're counting hairs on their transgender people rather than doing real, real uh, science. The BMJ editorial from July 2021 said the, the title was Time to Assume Health Research is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise. So the... the Time to assume health research is fraudulent until proven otherwise. So you can't read a medical journal anymore. You have to you have to check the you have to check and understand the the way the way it's put together. I mean, there was a a study of ivermectin published in the New England Journal, which was I mean it was a transparently a joke. It claimed that ivermectin didn't work, but they only used three days worth of ivermectin. I mean it's like it's like. <laughs> I mean, what can you say about that? If you're not smart enough to figure that one out, you're you're not even Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, remember he would go oh. around the he'd go around the circle three times, and the little kid who's getting the story read to them, the little kid had figured it out before Winnie the Pooh figured it out, right? Like, likewise, there are these physicians who are are finally waking up after Pfizer released this data. Now we've had we've had two years to figure this thing out, and these guys were vaccine advocates and all this until. Pfizer released their data and proved that they knew the fatalities were going to happen in the first quarter that the vaccine was rolled out. And, and finally, finally, these Winnie the Pooh characters are smacking themselves on the forehead and saying, well, this is no good. You know, they, they went around three times and now, now they kind of figured it out. So to round this out, our medical journals are complete prostitutes. Their editors are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars openly by the pharmaceutical companies, and corporate ghostwriters write 95% of their articles. So what that means is the corporations put whatever message in the article or slant that they want. And so the authors are people who are paid off to use their names. They don't often have anything to do with the content of the papers. 
So in law, business, or government, bribes like these could theoretically result in criminal prosecution or sanctions or firing. But uh, it's called conflict of interest in medicine, and we just close it, and supposedly it sanitizes the filth. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, so let's, let's, uh, Take me where you want me to go. yeah, so, all right, so we're talking about the vaccine, which has been out for less than two years, right? Less than two years. And if I, I, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're, you're saying that when the companies produce the vaccine, they knew there would be a fatality rate that would come with this. Yeah. Okay. The first, in, now we've had two releases of documents from Pfizer, right? The first 2.5% proved that, I mean, I didn't think it looked good for the future of the company, but the, these, these people are so powerful. 158,000 adverse events, 42,000 case reports, and 1,200 fatalities in the first three months of the vaccine. Now, any ordinary vaccine is killed, wastebasket, thrown away after 50 fatalities or less. Okay, that's the history of this thing. So the thing was a killer from the start. Let me, because I just want to make sure I got clarity on this, right? So normally, call it the regular flu or whatever. Come out with a vaccine, if 50 people die from it, it goes away, it's no longer in production, they shut it down. Exactly. And we're at a failure of regulatory and a failure of law in this country. And so how many fatalities have been contributed to the the vaccine on, okay. for COVID? So I, I will get to that and yeah. explain the evidence behind okay. that. So we have this system called the vaccine adverse response, you know, V-A-E-R-S, right? And which every, your listeners have probably heard of. And that system captures a certain percent of the harms and fatalities with any vaccine, right? And so we've got, you know, over 20,000 deaths reported through the VAERS system. But the keenest analytics about the VAERS system is it's underreported because it's a voluntary reporting system that it takes a half an hour to fill these things out. Nobody so you're saying to. that even with the 20,000 reported, there's actually more because it's that they're underreporting? It's it's at least 100,000 deaths and probably in the range of two to 300,000 deaths from the vaccine, okay? Now, this doesn't even count the people that have had myocarditis and been crippled for the rest of their lives and all the other problems, the blood clots, the strokes. I mean, I have a friend that had a stroke, a massive stroke a month or two after he got the vaccine. Now, causality is hard to establish, but I'm going to lay out the evidence that this thing is the culprit. And it's... It's completely clear now. This this is an overwhelmingly harmful medication that is somehow through politics and big money is being promulgated on us. So, okay. So, the CDC and other sources show a population wide increase in deaths of approximately forty percent, and for millennials, eighty four percent. Okay. Now, just think about that. That's what's called a six sigma impossibility by random chance you know it would it's 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 a insurance company data has backed this up right huge insurance companies so the whole population is dying and this occurred precisely when the vaccine was rolled out it didn't occur in 2021 2020 
it occurred in 2021 as the vaccine was rolled out, right? So we have this incredible increase in deaths. And it's clearly due to the vaccine. There aren't any other factors that could account for an effect this large. Now, you know, you probably heard about Senator Johnson and the, uh, the whistleblowers in the military. So what they essentially have is they have, they have a stumbling bunch of fools who are trying to cover it up. But there are people who have taken the CPT codes, which is the diagnosis codes, <coughs> out of the military databases. You know, the, the, and it's a complete, from what I understand, it's a complete, it's, the, the source is complete. VAERS is a partial database based on voluntary reporting. But Johnson has worked with these guys, and instantly, your listeners should donate to his campaign. I mean, I have personally even though he's out of state for me. He, he's, he is a great man, and he is willing to stand up and speak the truth. But, but anyway, the, the military shows a sickening pattern of all kinds of diseases and deaths. And, I mean, young people seem more vulnerable to myocarditis. Now, myocarditis is it's like having a heart attack when you're 20 years old and you are crippled. I mean, many of them have long-term complications. And, you know, of course, we, we've all seen, seen these kids, um, you know, fall down on the tennis courts and everything else. The, uh, there was an open tennis tournament in Florida. It was one of the opens. I, I think I, maybe it's Florida Open or whatever in a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago. They had 15 of them drop out because they couldn't play. They just, they, they tried and they couldn't play. Their hearts are affected. I mean, this is, these are called anecdotes, but the evidence is overwhelming and compelling. So we have hundreds of studies that say this vaccine is tremendously toxic now. And this is called aftermarket uh, analysis. But the thing about this is, is we had the information, Pfizer had the information at the very start and they continue to market the drug. It's so freaking profitable. It's the most profitable drug in history. And these guys, Pfizer, somehow has managed to garner uh, 40 to 50% profit margins for five years. Now, what do you make of that? Do you understand what that means, Span? What's the ordinary profit margin of an ordinary business? I mean, it's 10%. Man, yeah, I was about to say, if you hit 20, you're yeah. rocking oh, and rolling, right? 20% is a, something reserved for software. Right. You know, but. 10% is, is a very profitable business. These yes. guys had 40 to 50. So I don't know what it is this year because they've had a drug that sold $30 billion or something worth of product, haven't had any marketing expenses because the government's done it for them. And I, I think at this point we should back up and describe the size of these evils we're facing, the financial clout of the tech companies who are doing the censoring and the size of the pharmaceutical companies and all that and compare them all and understand how they can get away with all this. Let's rock it. Okay, so the U.S. tax revenues are $3.5 trillion, T trillion, right? And that's a lot of money. And they're spending a lot more because they're, uh, they're doing this, uh, quote, deficit spending, right? So, you know, maybe four, four and a half trillion. Healthcare alone is $4 trillion in America, roughly. And so healthcare runs the show in Congress and the executive branch. They haven't completely co-opted the courts, but they're trying. So the tech companies who, you know, who are, have turned into our censors against the First Amendment, 
and essentially proven that we're living in a lawless society, these guys, Apple and Google alone, have, I believe their market caps are around two and a half trillion each. I mean, they're, they're massively powerful. They have a tremendous amount of money. And all these companies are interlinked because there are, there are a few huge corporations that are funds of funds, and the two biggest are BlackRock and Vanguard. And these guys, in those two, co-own each other. In other words, they have huge ownerships in each other. And these guys, I mean, Pfizer is uh, majority owned by BlackRock. And the, the head of BlackRock is this guy named Larry Fink, who is insane with political correctness. And he, he, he wants all these agendas to occur. And so the, 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 the mendacity is perpetrated by, by, by these networks of, of exceedingly powerful organizations and people. I'm sorry. It's just a little too much. I mean, I hope this isn't no, too over the top. So, for you. so I, I mean, you're. <laughs> so, my position on this show is I like to sit back and listen and let my curiosity go. I mean, and and I try not to put too much of my opinion in the show because the show is about the guest, not about me. But you are definitely stepping on some chords with me that just gets my creative juices going is of like, yeah. And and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a phrase I heard a number of years ago from somebody who wasn't wrong on a lot of things, but I do believe was morally corrupt. But even a morally corrupt person can say something that makes sense. And it took me a number of years after him saying this, that it really made sense as he goes it's not about the money it's all about the money (laughs) that's right right and so when you say things like this my curiosity is definitely going because of going well actually can organizations conspire now i'm not trying to make this a conspiracy theory show or anything else but can they conspire an example would be the jeffrey epstein situation, right? Where when you had Acosta, who was the U.S. prosecutor at the time, right, that gave Epstein in 08 a very reduced sentence on a prostitution, not human trafficking. Know a thing or two about human trafficking, spending two years in that undercover world myself with the feds, right? And that was long after the Epstein thing, or actually it was just shortly after the Epstein thing. But the federal courts came back and were able to prove a conspiracy that had occurred, and that's when Acosta, who then Secretary of Labor, stepped down out of his position and said, I'm going to resign and go on and do other things, hang out on his boat or whatever whatever he was doing. So do I believe in heavy conspiracy theory we're hiding UFOs? Maybe not. But do I believe in conspiring behaviors, especially when it involves money? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So what you just turned over was a word that's being used against us. And the original origin of that word occurred after the JFK assassination. And the CIA used that word to debunk all kinds of things. And in fact, the JFK was probably assassinated by the CIA. And that's, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but let me just uh, uncover the other words that are being used against us. Yeah, Language is being used against us by the opposition. So debunked, quackery, anti-vaccine, vaccine hesitancy. When you hear any of that, just turn your ears off because you know you're not going to get any facts. 
Fact-checking has been ruined, and they use fact-checking as a weapon. They're basically politically motivated. And the most recent thing is they call people like me domestic terrorists. I'm just exercising my First Amendment right to speak out against this stuff. 100% you are. The vaccine definition was changed by the World Health Organization because the damn thing wasn't even close to being a vaccine. It doesn't provide any immunity. I mean, and it doesn't provide any protection from the disease after the first four months. The protections are modest. And in fact, the vaccine seems to be driving the pandemic because the countries that have had the most vaccines and the people who've been the most vaccinated now are getting these other variants because their resistance, it's driving the disease to mutate in, into the, 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 the resistance. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's a crazy thing. So two, two questions. First question, because I think the audience is probably hearing you and, and thinking the same thing is, okay, so when it comes to it, right, because I, I do believe people people use words, right, to try to paint somebody as something, exactly. right? It's like when somebody hears conspiracy, that word has been so trashed that they go, oh, you must be a quack. No, when people conspire together to do something, right, which happens. By the way, you can look All up a court All it takes is two people. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you see this. Make a plan. You, you, you see that used in courts yeah. and putting people in prison every day. But if you use it out of a court document, somebody thinks something, right? So so the challenge, I think, that a lot of, a lot of listeners are listening to right now is like, okay, so as soon as you hear that, it makes it difficult to fact check things. How can the audience fact check or where can they go? Or okay. What can they do to fact check? So there are sources which are uncensored still. And Substack is a blog system that has, you know, it's been around around three years. And I'm on Substack and, you know, there are wonderful sources in there. And I like Steve Hirsch and... Alex Berenson. Berenson is kind of a weird guy, and he doesn't get everything right, but he's he's a wonderful writer, and there are, there are many others, and this is probably the best up-to-date source. As far as books go, this thing was written early in the pandemic, right? It's COVID-19 and the global predators. We are the prey. And the author are are the Bregans, uh, which Dr. Bregan is a psychiatrist, and he has debunked psychiatry uh, for for decades. And, you know, if you if we get further down the uh, the story about medical corruption, you'll find out that I think psychiatry is the most corrupt medical specialty. But anyway, um, his website and his podcasts are excellent, Bregan.com, B-R-E-G-G-I-N.com. And along with the Kennedy podcasts, um, those are probably a, a, one of your best sources. You can't trust a thing that's said on the mainstream media because it's an echo chamber of po- propaganda paid for by these globalist forces. And I mean, the story is, it's a very dark story and we don't have time to get into the whole thing. Uh, but the the worldwide problems that, I mean, how can a blind person not see it? See, Australia, Germany is, they're all sort of marching around goose step, even now trying to get everybody to, to take this horribly toxic vaccine. I mean, it's, it's dystopian. And Canada has been lost to the fascists, as far as I can tell. And the, uh, there are central organizing people, globalist organizations uh, called the World Economic Forum that, that have put in place some of these people like this 
jackass Trudeau and our California governor. You know, they're all mentees of this Klaus Schwab and his organization who've got all these ideas, which are, they're, I mean, it's essentially uh, fascist control. Outside of the, the finances of it, they essentially want to uh, create world government. And the World Health Organization is the WHO is a stalking horse for their group. And they are trying to institute standards that if the individual countries adopt them, they would preempt our individual constitutions. And I know you've talked about this on your podcast before, Span, but the First Amendment is being trampled on. I mean, it's, 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 it's 50% gone. And it's the, the basic principle of law in the world. I mean, it's, it, other countries don't have it, and it's why they're further gone than we are. Uh, but these tech companies claim to be private organizations and exempt from uh, considerations like that. But the founders had no clue that the tech companies would be so freaking powerful 200 years later. And these guys should be taken to task somehow. I don't know how it's going to work. So my, my, my other question I was going to have, right? Sorry, I, was gonna, like, sorry no, I get into it. No, 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 no. That's great. Is so is, you know, resources people can go to go fact check. But the, the next question. RFK Jr.'s have, book is the probably the best RFK this is Junior's the second book. this is the second best book about situation that one COVID-19 and the global yeah. yeah and these are available so. on Amazon for three dollars on Kindle yeah. RFK Jr. I've influenced personally both authors to leave them for three dollars because they're not in it to make money either right this so gives more access the right? real exactly yeah. the real Anthony Fauci is RFK Jr.'s book and that tells the global story not just about Fauci Fauci is a if if we can prosecute Fauci, it would certainly be helpful. Oh yeah. So the so the next question to follow up to that is, you know, I I don't know a lot about medicine, medical technology, or any of that. So I'm the first to to claim that I, I have ignorance around this topic. Right. Uh, I've never studied medicine. I was a foreign policy major. I got an MBA, right? You know, the only thing I know about medicine is whatever I get across the counter from a pharmacist, right? That's all my knowledge is. But when we were experienced, when the when when COVID nineteen shut everything down in March of twenty twenty, and it was less than twelve months later that we had this alleged vaccine that's supposed to make all this go away, my confusion like my curiosity right so it's my curiosity is to go well we've had all these because you know you hear all these claims like COVID 19 is like worse than the ebola virus or something right and i'm sitting there laughing going wait a minute to me i hear something like ebola virus which like wipes out villages in like a matter of days and we've actually had ebola here in the metroplex happened several years ago it got contained it went away right uh, there is no real vaccine for Ebola, or maybe there is, I don't know. But, but pretty, pretty, I think when someone hears Ebola, they're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's, that's some bad stuff, right? Then you, you go, okay, this COVID-19 is supposed to be really, really bad. And then all of a sudden, less than a year later, we have a ma- magically, even though we haven't been able to cure a number of things that have come on our radar over the last number of years, but we can magically come up with this overnight, right? And then I'll leave it with this last one, which is, you know, I, I, I kind of make this running joke, you know, around people is, is I go, well, just wait till COVID-20 gets here. And they're like, what's COVID-20? Is it out? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but we had 18, 17, 16, and 15, and so forth before 19, SARS, Mars, and all these other things. 
why was it that 19 was the one that all of a sudden we couldn't control? We got this magical vaccine. It comes out in under 12 months, which still confuses me that that could happen. And then all of a sudden we're shutting down a planet economically, which in my opinion is absolutely the, the, the worst thing we could do. Okay, so I know it's a lot to throw. No, 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 right? no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so first of all, yeah. Ebola, carefully examined, is a nothing burger, right? That's what we call them in California. It, it, it. The thing about Ebola was, it killed everyone in a very small radius, but it they died so quickly they didn't have a chance to get on a plane or or spread it around. So, and these other ones you refer to were earlier attempts to panic everyone, right? And none of them amounted to anything. Now, we haven't gotten into the worst the worst part of the COVID story. And that is that we've denied these therapies. Now, you're aware of that, right? In other words, we have had effective therapies against viruses like this for a decade. And they were proven effective against COVID in early 2020, right? Uh, but there was a wall of propaganda that claimed that they didn't work. These ivermectin, the hydroxychloroquine. I mean, you guys have all heard the horse medicine nonsense about ivermectin. Ivermectin was the most, it was, it had the most avid effect on, on coronavirus of any of these medications. Um, it basically sterilizes the, the person from, from the virus. You know, it, they don't, they don't have the virus anymore and then they just have to cope with the, this aftermath. So we, we had medicines that would have prevented 85% of the deaths. Now, that's the thing that red-pilled me about the whole thing. When I understood that, I, I just I fell out of my chair and I started studying full-time because that, that's, the, that's the most evil story of all. And the, the propaganda said that those medications don't work right? And it, it gets passed around and echoed and all that. So this is like, I mean, it's the biggest scandal in my lifetime. So, you know, Google's motto, their old motto was do no evil, right? They changed that. At least they're honest. I mean, I don't know what the new motto is, but it's certainly not do no evil, whatever it is, because these guys have been the center of the censoring apostasy. I mean, th these guys are, have turned away from uh, our, uh, and I mean, I get it. They're all owned by BlackRock and Vanguard and the, the, the directions come from the top. But if you study the, the ownership of these companies, you, you'll realize there is something crazy going on. Uh, Pfizer and Moderna are majority owned by BlackRock. Just think about that. I mean, they, they, they have, uh, they're, they're, their owners are enormously powerful. It's like he who pays the piper calls the tune, right? And so if, if the, the owner is crazy, you know, and has bought into this uh, World Economic Forum uh, insanity of world government and, and uh, totalitarian rule, then, uh, you know, what are these companies going to do? They're, they're, they're huge. But, I mean, the thing that shocked me the most, one of the things that shocked me tremendously was that all these tech companies who, you know, which I admired greatly. I mean, I thought Google was, 10 years ago, it was like having an encyclopedia that you could look up anything, anytime. Now, Wikipedia is destroyed. Wikipedia is in the hands of the, of the, of the nuts. And you cannot 
get into Wikipedia without seeing the quote fact checking or all these other verbiages that are being used to destroy the truth. You know, <laughs> you're, you're tripping on a, a a subject that I literally have this conversation with my daughter every time we talk. So when I sent her to college and everybody was upper butt, like, you know, what are you going to major in? What are you going to be? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, honey, go to college to learn how to learn. Go get a graduate degree to learn how to ask the right questions in whatever that specific field is, right? But learn how to learn. And what I meant by that and what I've explained to her is I was fascinated when I was at TCU and I would hear a topic and I would spend weeks in the library pulling, I mean, you know, and TCU's library is considered a big library, but it's a peanut compared to some libraries, right? And I would just get in there in the library. I mean, it's probably a lot more advanced now, easier to find stuff of just pulling books that were for and against the topic. So that way I could actually dive in and read. Make a decision. Make a decision based on the information that was for and against whatever the topic was. I could, I could use my curiosity to build whatever I thought about the thing. Well, when my daughter comes to town and she's just like, well, yeah, but here's what Google says. I'm like, hey, 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 ah. There's no telling all right, on the internet. How can you believe whatever is on the internet, period? Because anybody can skew anything. Anybody can add something, take something away, or anything else. So that's where I give her a heavy emphasis. Is like, if you really want to be an informed person, go get into a library and start pulling books that you can actually reference and go, okay, well, this one says X, but this one says Y. And then you can find books that either support or negate those things moving forward. And I think that, the, that, that these little devices, these iPhones, these miniature computers in our phones have made it very easy for people to become cattle, right? And you can herd cattle. And you can herd cattle because they're just like, oh, well, Siri said this or Google said this or Alexa said this. They don't take the energy to actually go dive in to get a formulated, educated opinion. And then if they don't even do that, then they turn to media sources, the news, propaganda. I, I, matter of fact, this will, this, will, this will make you laugh, Robert. So every Christmas I bring my family up to Pagosa Springs, my house in Colorado. We do the white Christmas, you know, the snow, the Christmas tree. We cut down our own Christmas tree and we do all this. And so my in-laws who are in their 80s. My mother-in-law's favorite thing to do is watch the news. And I have to go through this daily argument of I don't have new, I don't have cable. I have an internet connection. I have Apple TV. And so I'm, I'm thumbing through, and then it was kind of funny because Maggie goes, well, here's this one. It looks like some clips of some other news, right? And I was like, just put that. It, well, the thing was they ran out of recent clips. I was like, well, put it on a loop. So until she started figuring out, wait a minute, this is not live news. And I was like, well, you're getting to watch the news because I don't want to watch the news. I have no interest, and, and, and I don't mean just one over the other, I mean all of them. You know, I don't want to watch CNN, I don't want to watch Fox, I don't want to watch any of them because I believe that it is there about pushing advertisement. I'd rather take the time and energy and, and go agendas. research. And agendas. Yeah. 100% on agendas. Yeah. So the easiest way into this material for your listeners is a couple of Joe Rogan interviews, maybe four of them. And I'm no great fan of Joe Rogan. I generally regard his material as a little slow and not that interesting. And here's a tip, okay? Listen to this stuff at 1.5 to 2 times speed, and you'll get through it a lot faster. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. And you could do that on any YouTube or uh, whatever. So Rogan interviewed this guy named Peter McCullough, who is one of the most decorated doctors alive today, 
with I mean I think he has 600 articles published in peer-reviewed journals and he also interviewed another guy named Robert Malone and if your listeners haven't heard of these guys they should listen to those interviews and we'll leave the links in the show notes there are two other interviews that I heavily recommend one with a fellow who's describing what's going on with Google and Google can alter search results in a way that can influence elections so I'm fearful that this will even influence these midterms, even if there is overwhelming push to get the current troublemakers out. I'm afraid that Google can change that because they're, they're influenced by money and this leftist politics stuff. And so that seems to be their motivation. And he describes, he's a Google watcher, and he says that when he does watch Google with his group, they alter their behavior. In other words, they don't want to be caught. Uh, but he doesn't have the resources to do as what's, much as he could. What's his name? You know what? He's got a Middle Eastern. Oh, his name is Epstein. Yeah. And there's another guy, which I'll stick him in the show notes to, uh, which I, I really like. So, uh, Span, I want to. Now, I know some of your listeners think, well, I better turn this off. This guy's crazy. So, let me just tell them three insane facts about COVID that may offer some proof that I'm not crazy. So remdesivir is the drug that kills 50% of the, roughly 50%, 25 to 50% of the people who get it, which is being used in the hospital. And it was, a, how could they approve a drug like that that doesn't work, right? Well, the reason why it was approved was it doesn't work because if it did work, it would make experimental treatments like the vaccine illegal, right? And then why in the world are we pushing the vax on little kids? What society puts their kids and sacrifices them on the altar of the adults, claiming that the, if we vaccinate all the kids, the adults won't get the disease. Well, the, the reason is very practical, because if that, I call it the clot shot. If the clot shot is approved for kids, the manufacturer's liability is permanently removed. I mean, and this is why they're trying to get it approved for 17, 16, 17 year olds, and also little kids. The third insane story is why now we got all these people at the border coming in, right? The undocumented migrants or whatever the heck the PC word for them is, the illegal aliens, why aren't they offered the vax? And the reason is they're not covered by lawsuit protection immunity. So the 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 group the pharma companies know that when they get the problems, and it's not if, it's when, uh, you know, a certain percentage of them die and have other problems, they won't be they won't they'll be able to sue the manufacturers unlike anybody who lives in america now i'm not saying that with the current situation that federal prosecutors and plaintiffs lawyers cannot make this stick because these guys they're not operating in good faith they have purposefully murdered a huge swath of americans and damaged a huge swath of americans so i think there's some hope that particularly the plaintiffs lawyers who are gearing up for the action i think that there's some chance they'll get Pfizer and Moderna and take them down. And that's the first step in cleaning up this mess. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are necessary. So something you said interesting about Google and how things can be steered, right? At first, when this started happening, I thought, okay, I'm uh, I'm crazy. It's got to be me. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to quit drinking as much, whatever, <laughs> right? Just crazy. But I was sitting there listening to friends go, yeah, I... I have not searched for, call it titanium cup, right? Whatever, right? Titanium cup, like water cup, 
and whatever the thing may be, right? Or, or, or here, Omega, let's use my watch as an example. Omega timepiece. And then when they're looking through on the internet, it's all this, hey, this Omega, this Omega, this Omega. So in the beginning, I was like, nah, y'all are crazy. Y'all were probably looking it up because you like timepieces. And then it was really funny. And I, and I even looked at my wife, who's the most normal, logical, high-detailed lawyer I've ever met in my life who keeps me balanced. We were literally having a conversation about, I can't even remember what the product was, right? And it was not a normal product. And we were in the process of planning a trip. And I said, well, hey, let's open up the computer and look at some of the things we could go do. Instant ads on that product. And I was like, okay, did you Google this product before? I mean, we're going, I mean, like we're diving into it, like going through certain, going back weeks of search history just to see if maybe I've built this in my head. But I do believe that these devices, they're listening they're putting stuff in front of you and if it call it i don't know artificial intelligence or whatever I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant to that that sector of technology but if that can happen then it is very easy to believe that big tech can skew a conversation based on what they want to put out right it's the search term uh it's what comes up in the search term the suggested search terms that's what they can do and there there are analytics that suggest that they can skew an election by at least 10 percent. so that's the that's the side so DuckDuckGo has recently been outed as uh sort of in the pockets of google right DuckDuckGo is another search engine but we still have brave which is another search engine which supposedly is still free and will give you random or unbiased results brave but unfortunately if you have apple products i don't think you can put them in there under your browser uh brave but you can use DuckDuckGo, which might be better than google but recently there the the news was not good about DuckDuckGo. so let me just read these treatment and uh, resource uh, references real quickly into the podcast so okay. for the truth get on the mailing list of these groups the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, FLCCC, they have prevention and early at-home treatment protocol, in-hospital protocol. They describe the problems that I discussed with the, uh, the hospital's incentivization to treat the COVID improperly. Um, AAPS, American Academy of Physicians and Surgeons, they have a complete protocol for how you treat COVID as an outpatient. You can order these drugs from India instantly if you can't if you can't find a doctor who will cooperate and prescribe them for you. And, it, and the the pharmacists are gougers too. I mean, if if they do prescribe them, you can spend eight hundred dollars for eight ivermectin pills. Sometimes, World Council for Health Protocol tests Lori, America's frontline doctors, and that they can give you legal advice too. So those are important references for your listeners. So. Let's say somebody has taken the vaccine, right, and hasn't had any complications after the vaccine. Is there anything that that person should be concerned about because it didn't affect some people, but it has affected other people? Are you talking about a friend or you? Well, let's I'm just kidding. say it, me. I'm, actually, yeah, I'm I'm, no, no, yeah. no, 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 actually me, right? And, yeah. and, and only... I know. And, and here is the only reason I took it. There, you don't I have to make no, excuses. Right. Let me answer the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the answer is 
that my opinion is that if you've made it 18 months, you're not going to have consequential adverse results but if you don't notice anything. However, you could have cardiac damage that's subtle that wouldn't show up unless you're a professional athlete, right? So there are lines of evidence that suggest that I'm wrong, that you could have long-term problems of all kinds. But I don't believe it because we've never had a drug like that before. Maybe this is something new and maybe these guys are, uh, you know, the whole thing is so Dr. Strange Lovian that maybe they have an evil uh, intent to depopulate the world and they're going to be successful. Obviously, it's a partial success already if the mortality rates have climbed like that. But I think you're probably fine, Span. And uh, I, you have to know and your listeners should know that every subsequent shot, every subsequent clot shot increases your risk for adverse results. It's not the same as the first shot. The first shot, you might have made it through. And if you're getting sick from something they give you. And the other fascinating thing is there have been studies of what's in the damn stuff, and at least a third of it is salt water. (laughs) You know, it's placebo. And if they were really smart, they would have made them all salt water, right? So nothing, it didn't do anything. But whatever the agenda is, salt water didn't do it. So this thing has been speculated, and I think it's highly speculative, to be a some sort of study on just the dose required to create consequences of various kinds. Uh, but I think that's thin because the stuff requires handling and refrigeration and a certain administration, and you have to shake the nonsense up before you give it. All that stuff's not getting done. So I think we're seeing different results based on you know, whether it gets into the muscle or the fat and all that stuff. So, but it is extremely hazardous. And frankly, anyone that submits to this, I, I think is, you know, who knows the score is, uh, is, I mean, they're taking their lives in their hands. You know, I have a friend who probably died of it. And I have one friend that had a massive stroke and he turned himself into a golden retriever. You know, he doesn't talk to us and we don't talk to him. He walks around, he's friendly, wags his tail, you know? So, uh, I mean, these people are ruined by this thing in all likelihood. Now, you know, it's causality is not clear in either individual case. But, you know, I've laid out the, 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 the evidence. And, I mean, this thing is it's exceedingly harm, harmful. It seems like, you know, especially not just in this topic, but many topics in this country now, is if instead of going hey, let's agree to disagree, or hey, we have opposing opinions, let's, let's, let's flush it out, let's be public in flushing it out. You, anytime somebody comes up, whether in whatever format, whether online, whether on social media or whatever, it says, hey, I'm against this and this is why, it's like they get shut down, right? You don't even get a chance to get the other side of the argument if it doesn't agree with the quacking wolf over here, right? So there... <laughs> There's a study done on Canadians. Canadians are wonderful people, and they're, they're kind of an innocence up there. And they, I think that their vulnerability has led to their takeover by these agendas. But the study, the study showed that the, the number of people who gotten the vaccine, the quote vaccine, it correlated very precisely with their opinions about the war in Ukraine, right? The, the ones that that had the vaccine, had clear opinions that Russia was the evil perpetrator and, you know, the ones that hadn't had the vaccine admitted that they didn't know. 
And that's my opinion about all that stuff because it's mainstream media nonsense. I mean, who the freaking hell knows about that stuff? Who knows? You can't tell. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to intervene in a military way, but we're seeing the oil prices rise and all the other consequences that seem to be orchestrated. Well, you know, there's a, here's another funny thing is I find in the hypocrisy of Washington, D.C., is you got folks that want to attack the Second Amendment to take weapons away, yet they're like, oh, my gosh. Poor Ukraine, which I, mean, I don't disagree with, right? They're being, they're trying to be bullied right now by Russia. And what do we do? We send them a bunch of guns. And it was like, okay, someone help me understand the logic on this. So we're going to send a bunch of guns to people because you're like, yes, you should have guns to defend yourself, but just not here, right? And that's just one of a million examples I could bring up of just the hypocrisy I've seen over the number of years that just really just annoys me. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, perfectly. And uh, both you and your uh, audio engineer told me you were carrying right now. So in case I get out of hand, you can take oh, care of me. I'm more watching that door to see who's <laughs> yeah, coming that's in right. to get me. <laughs> that's the reason my back is against this wall. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. And the, some of the theories about why Australia fell so quickly to these ideas were that they five seven years ago they got rid of their freaking guns and they they don't have you can't buy a uh, automatic weapon there anymore Mm -mm. you know and you can apparently you can get rifles and you can get uh revolvers but uh yeah 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 no so so let me ask you this all right if you had to sum up um just at let me, let me think how I phrase this question. Is there a way to sum up the level of how bad the situation is with the vaccine? How would you sum that up for, call it the unbiased, non-educated listener out there? Okay. So Does that question No, sense? it's fine. Yeah. And basically our feet are in the alligator's mouth and we have to fight. It doesn't look good but we have to fight or we're gonna get immediately eaten. And the people that have fought have achieved some small victories. There are victories now occurring in courts and there are judges that haven't been bought. And hopefully we can get these globalists out of the uh, Oval Office and the, uh, you know, uh, to some extent the legislature with the midterms. But uh, uh, this is not political, It's, it's about survival. And if you want to, if you, if you want our system to prevail and to continue with free speech and independent people and basically the things that caused, that Im- improve our productivity and, and the, uh, the, the, the freedoms we have, you have to fight, you have to be knowledgeable, you have to learn. And I've given you references enough where you can get started. And my Substack sum- summarized the whole thing. I've got around 50 or 75 uh, episodes, which are essentially podcasts plus written articles. And again, you can find that at robertyoho.substack.com. And my website, which is more about just straight healthcare corruption, which we haven't gotten into as much, um, is uh, robertyohoauthor.com. Yoho. Robertyohoauthor.com. Author.com. Okay, well, let's, let's trip on that. Let's uh, let's let's do a little segue to that. Is you, you you say there's a proper way to get healthy, or do this the right way, or do you want to stick on this? No, or no, you want to I'm segue happy. Over? I'm uh, happy to chat a little bit about, and yeah. this has to do with Food and Drug Administration uh, corruption, right? And they 
regulate our food, which is super important. And between the industries that the FDA regulates, the pharmaceutical companies and the food, um, they probably have been individually responsible for this massive decline in our health, the obesity epidemic, the whole thing, the increase in autism, which is, I mean, it's like it's like 1% now, and it was unheard of 50 years ago. Now, maybe it was an identification problem, but there are sources that think it's been a, related to the vaccine administration. And when I was little, I got four different shots, right? Now there are 75 shots, roughly, that we give our kids. I mean, it's, it's an outrage. These things, um, they are, have to be regarded as medications. Now, in the late, in the middle 80s, Reagan signed into law a well-meaning uh, provision that there would not be litigation allowed against the vaccine companies. And the way these criminals sold the thing to Congress was claiming that um, they couldn't afford to make the vaccines, they weren't profitable. And maybe that was true then. But what, it hap- what happened after that was it unleashed a storm of activity <coughs> because liability is a huge part of the cost of developing any medication. If you can't get sued, you can do almost whatever you want. And so they developed vaccines for all kinds of things, a lot of them inconsequential. For example, the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is an utter failure. We've stockpiled billion, we may have spent 100 billion on the flu vaccine worldwide um, since its inception. It may be a lot more. Uh, But this thing, you can go to Cochrane Reviews, C-O-C-H-R-A, I think it's I-N-E, Reviews, and you can look it up and read read the analyses for yourself. And those guys are pretty honest. They, lately, there are some indications that they're taken over by economic interests, but certainly the old stuff that they have on there is good. And I don't know whether you've heard of Tamiflu. Tamiflu was a supposed treatment for flu. Well, that thing eventually got outed and called Scamiflu on the internet because it just didn't do F all. It was completely ridiculous and the doctors still prescribe it. it doesn't change, like the flu vaccine, it doesn't change the incidence of serious diseases. And that was how the whole thing was sold, that it would prevent pneumonia and other consequences of getting the flu for old people. Um, And Tamiflu probably had a net improvement in a few hours of symptomatology per person. I mean, it was a very expensive thing and it's still being used. So um, I've lost my thread. Pick me up here. No, no, Span. no, no. So, so if there's all these things out there, all these different, like you were talking about, you know, when you grew up, there was four vaccines that you got before you got to go to school. Now there's 75. There's, you know, all these products okay. out there. So let me, are, let me pick up on the vaccines. Yeah, yeah. So all of these things, you know, all these diseases were declining at the point that the vaccine, individual vaccine was introduced, right? And the curve of the decline was never altered by one vaccine, right? So, so the this decline is, was already it was the already in was already on the decline. Right. Then the vaccine. Then during that decline, yeah. the vaccine was introduced, and the vaccine was lauded or praised as the the cause of the rest of the decline, when it probably wasn't true. And this again is kind of a circumstantial evidence, but the vaccine curves all look the same way. And many of the improvements were public health measures such as better sanitation and so on and so forth. So these things are no 
miracle, and they're not, they shouldn't be a third rail of healthcare that you can't touch without being claimed you're anti-vax or, uh, you know, any of this other nonsense. And the idea of calling this toxic clot shot a vaccine is, I mean, it's an outrage beyond imaginations. The other ones, the newer ones, like the flu vaccine, are being used for um, diseases that often aren't much of anything to begin with. And you've heard of the HPV vaccine, mm-hmm. Gardasil. That is very toxic. A lot of people have a lot of problems with that. And in fact, 50% of the studies were concealed, Okay, which is pharma's allowed to do that, along with altering their statistics and using the fake uh, subcontractors in freaking Pakistan and India, right? So Gardasil, Japan threw the vaccine in the trash bin because they looked at it and they realized that 50% of the studies were concealed by the companies. And because the companies are private entities, in theory, they're allowed to do that. But in actual point of fact, they get the money from us, it all ought to be public. It, the money is our healthcare money, our enormous spend on healthcare. So Gardasil is used ubiquitously in Europe and the United States, but it's, it's, it's probably a completely worthless thing, which has a far bigger harm than good. But we don't know for sure because we don't, you know, we don't have those studies. But when you take 50% of the studies, you can make everything look whatever way you want when you throw them away. So it's it's really it's interesting. common strategy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, going back to the food portion of um, um, what you were talking about, yeah. right? Because there's hormones and everything else, and uh, and I and I, you know, so when I'm up in Colorado, I don't eat out. One, there's not a lot of restaurants. There's a few restaurants, so I've got my kind of go tos that I go to, but for the most part, I cook in, right? And I'm always looking for things that, you know, hey, what's in this, what's not in this, and all that. Then I get back here to Texas, and I'm in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. So there's a lot of eating out and everything else, where usually after about my fifth day back here, I just feel like crap, right? And then when I get back up to Colorado, it's really funny. I can eat like crap here for, for, for three, four, five days, and I'm instantly feeling it. But I got to get back up to Colorado and eat clean for several weeks before I start feeling good again, right? And so the bad stuff affects you quicker than the good stuff tries to get you out of the bad stuff. Or at least that's 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 kind of what I've, I've seen with my own body, right? And so so I I do believe there is a heavy correlation of you look at like kids nowadays. I mean, kids hormonally are d- developed. I mean. I look at 16-year-olds now, and I'm like, we didn't have any football players that were as big as that kid, right? I mean, they just didn't see it, right? And I, so I do believe that there is a, a correlation of whatever's going into the foods and all these. So when we look at that and we look at 75 vaccines, we look at just all, all this craziness going on, what do we do to, to reverse that course of action? Like, is, is there the ability to reverse this course of action? Is there even a remote possibility to reverse this course of action? Let me, let me just address the FDA in just a few sentences and yeah. the food part of the things, right? And I, I, I have a couple chapters on that in Hormone Secrets. So you, if you got three bucks and you want to pick up the ebook, you can read about that in here with the references. So essentially what happened since Eisenhower's day, there has been a emphasis on trying to keep saturated fats out of the diet. Now, these are animal fats, right? Like butter and 
So the opinion on this is completely turned around 180 degrees. These are the healthiest foods that we can possibly eat. And the, the real troublemakers are the processed vegetable oils, right? The ones that are heated at high temperature to make the, the uh, products that you eat out and get in a snack store um, smoother, more better preserving, and so on and so forth. The vegans have a conflict of interest, right? They're concerned about animal welfare. Now, whether you're concerned about that or not, it might have an impact on whether you think, you know, what you're promoting. And so animal fats and uh, particularly a keto diet, and sometimes people even talk about the carnivore diet, which is all meat and eggs and cheese, right? And those people have done very well. Autoimmune diseases seem to vanish when they eat pure carnivore. And you may know of Michaela Peterson, who's Jordan Peterson's daughter. She had severe juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, was getting joint replacements in her ankles. She went carnivore, and she's walking around and doing TED Talks about it. So uh, um, so anyway, the FDA has done a horrible job. They've been bought by the food industry and by and the food industry, these are people selling uh, altered uh, vegetable oils. And, uh, and anyway, so lead me back into where yeah, we wanted to go. Yeah, so, so no, that's great. And that's, that's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into all three of those books, especially the one on hormone secrets. But uh, the last question I'd left it with is, so it just seems like we're down this crazy path. Is there a way to correct that path? stop it, correct it, change it, anything else, or are we too far gone that it's okay. just, you know, does that make so, sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that this um, pandemic is red-pilling a bunch of us about how doctors operate and how the healthcare system operates. And frankly, I'm ashamed of my colleagues. I mean, they, I, I don't have a horse in the game anymore. You have to understand that I'm retired. They can't take my license. They can't take uh, my income because it's unrelated to medical stuff. Um, but um, I'm just shocked at the f- total paucity of people, of doctors standing up and, and telling the truth. And what I have said is not controversial academically. It's only controversial in the censorship, in the, through the wall of censorship that we're seeing. Um, so um, what can we do about it? Uh, I think that if if we can manage to put Moderna and Pfizer out of business, there's a Chinese saying that says, kill the chicken to scare the monkey, right? And so this would result in better pharmaceutical company behavior. As far as individually, what can we do about horrible health and diseases that we have? We have two tools that are helpful now that we didn't have, you know, five years ago. And one is we can get a virtual consultation with anyone we want who's willing to do it for a few hundred or a few thousand dollars if you have an exotic cancer or something like that. The second thing we have is we have patient groups surrounding various diseases. And if you have a diagnosis and you're not getting better with your local doctor, go to your patient group online and and there are people in those groups who are very idealistic and who will spend their time trying to explain the possibilities to you and the possible therapies. And some of them are more knowledgeable than most doctors about that disease. Um, these things are sponsored by the drug companies, but it doesn't mean they don't have excellent people who are in those groups. So that's on an individual uh, note. And if you go through Butchered by Healthcare, that's your best shield against all this stuff because it's not going to help you with the COVID because this is published before COVID. But 
it will help you understand what we're facing. And the COVID story is the same story that's been going on for 20 to 30 years, writ large on a worldwide stage with astonishing chutzpah. I'm not Jewish, but I use that Yiddish word. It means boldness and, uh, you know, astonishing chutzpah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 No, this is, this is, this is, this is, this has been a, a, a very intriguing conversation. Uh, and I, I like to wind all these down by going and saying, all right, if you opened up a time capsule today that you had left when you were 20 and you pulled out a magical card that said, you can go back in time to when you were 20 years old and 20 year old self would listen to one thing. There's a million things we tell ourselves, but would listen to one thing to either do or don't do this. What would you go back and tell 20 year old Robert? I would tell 20 year old Robert to be just like Span. And go into real estate. Now you're lying. No, I'm not lying. Go into real estate entrepreneurship (laughs) instead of medicine. Because I spent my career with a ladder leaned up against a tree that has been largely proven to be fraudulent. About 50% of what we do is either absolutely bad for people or unfounded. And that's not academically controversial. There are plenty of articles about that, and you can read about that in Butchered by Healthcare. So, I mean... Look, I spent most of my career as a cosmetic surgeon, and maybe I'm doing penance for a frivolous career like that by trying to bring these uh, ideas to the mainstream. Well, I tell you, Gage, have we had out of almost 100 episodes anybody say that uh, they, uh, th- if they could go back and tell 20-year-old self they'd be like me? That's the first one. So the funny, so the funny thing. No, I'm about serious it, about that. Oh, I'm fascinated I, by real estate, and I, I've got, I've got some. We were talking about that, but um, I, I certainly would have done better had I focused on that. What's really funny though is that you know with this show and like I said, almost a hundred recordings now, to date, and it's got to happen, right? It's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's got to. We've never had. When I ask that question, we've never had the same answer. And I've been fascinated by this. You know, some have been a little more similar to others, but. We get hit with things like, man, yeah, I, I look at Gage all the time, or sound engineer. And I'm like, have we? No one said that. I guarantee you're the first to say on the show, be like Span. But but that's why that's why I find it just really really fascinating because it's just like, just to get these responses from our guests, and uh, and we do highly highly appreciate you coming on the show, not just down the street. I mean, you had to get on an aeroplane and fly all the way here uh, uh, to do this. So I'm, I'm really grateful uh, of your time to do that. So let's uh, let's say people want to learn more. I know we've kind of mentioned it a couple times in the show. Where How do they find more information about you, your show, your books, all these? Uh, we're where, uh, where, where's the best place to go? Yeah, I don't waste my time with ordinary social media because I mm-hmm. my shows get censored right off uh, YouTube. So I, again, it's uh, robertyoho.substack.com and robertyohoauthor.com. Okay, and uh, and for the audience out there, if you were driving down the street and you didn't have a chance to catch all that, we're going to put that in the links when you go down to Dr. Robert Yoho. 
read more. We'll have these links, and he's got some other links that we can add on there, some of the other references that he he had on there where you can make it really easy to get access. And, and, and in, you know, regardless of where you're at on this topic, it's a very interesting topic, right? So lean in, learn more. Don't just believe whatever Siri's telling you, right? And uh, naturally, if you're looking to buy, real, sell real estate anywhere on the planet, hit that homepage, click find a trusted professional, and we'll make sure that you get somebody that knows how to represent your interest. Robert, thank you for coming on the okay. show, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it.